Our great and gracious Heavenly Father, I ask you now that as we uh, hear and see Mary's faith journey, uh, that you would be drawing us to your own heart by faith through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Growing up, I had an auntie who lived out of town, and so whenever she'd visit for the holidays, she'd come bearing many gifts, you know, sort of making up for, for the year, for not, not living with us. And as kids, oh, we absolutely loved it. It was, so, it was always so great when, when, when auntie came to town. But she had this quirky habit. So every time she gave us a present, she'd leave the price tag on the gift. And then as we'd unwrap it, she'd point to the price tag and say, oops, Auntie left the price tag on, and humbly point out just how much the gift cost her. Now, oh, that's, well, it's quirky, it's a little bit cute, but it's even richer than that because she only, or usually I should say, bought her gifts on sale, which is great. You know, we salute a thrifty queen, but before she'd wrap the gift, she'd remove the sales tag, keep the original price tag on, and then yes, every time we'd open up the gift, she'd point to the price tag, oops, auntie forgot to take the price tag off. Looking back on it now, oh, it's obviously just a funny story, but in that moment, like as, as a kid, it's hard to know how you're meant to respond to a situation like this. Hard to know how we're meant to receive her gifts, when every time you open up a present and auntie says, oops, uh, I forgot to take the price tag off. Now, believe it or not, as, as, as Whitey said, Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, it's less than a month away now. And we, over these next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at this idea of an extraordinary story. We're gonna be looking at what, it, we're gonna be looking at the extraordinary gift that God gives to quite ordinary people like us at Christmas time, the gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of his son, Jesus. That's what we're gonna be looking at over the next few weeks. So here's how I wanna start the series. Here's how I wanna sort of get us into the Christmas mood. I want us to consider how we might respond, how it is that we are meant to respond to this gift that God gives us. That is, how can we receive God's gift of faith? What, is, what does it look like? What does it look like, look like to receive God's son what does it look like for us to respond to the gift that God's given us, his son, Jesus Christ? Because right at the start of the Christmas story, there's this extraordinary scene that I want us to see. I'm talking about the time when the angel Gabriel, he first appears to Mary. And he delivers God's message of how, how it is that God is going to save his people. And Mary's response is stunning. Not because of how extraordinary it is, but precisely because of how ordinary her journey toward faith truly is. And Luke, the disciple here, follower of Jesus, who records Mary's story, gives an incredible amount of space to how it is Mary responds to God's good news. I think he does this in large part to present Mary as a bit of a model or an example of what responsive Christian faith looks like. That is, what does it look like to trust God? Even if we don't quite have all the answers just yet, how can we respond to what God's doing in us, in our world, even if the way forward isn't entirely clear? That's what we see in Mary's story. As we look at Mary's story, her faith journey, the sort of first Christmas story, we see it happening in three stages. First, she responds thoughtfully. Second, she responds 
with a simple acceptance until finally she responds with faith from the heart. All right, she responds thoughtfully with a simple acceptance and then faith from the heart. So let's take a deep dive to Mary's story. The first stage, Mary's faith, is to carefully ponder what God's saying to her. All right, so act one, she responds thoughtfully. First year that I moved to Brisbane, I caught a bus into uni. It was a oh, hot, hot day like this one, uh, Jan, Feb. Uh, I got to chat into the book next to me. Now, we were talking, you know, about the weather and then, and then about nature, and then we started to talk about God. And he said this curious thing. He said, I would, I would like to believe in God. Like, I'd, I'd like that, but, he, he adds, just before hopping off, I could never do it because I'm just too logical. Remember, he's on his way to uni, right? I'd like to believe in God, but I'm just too logical. I like to ask lots of questions. If I believed in God, I'd have to switch off a large part of my brain and simply believe. And I, I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to do that. Now, that's a fair thing to say if that's what's happening when we come to faith in Jesus. And yet nobody can accuse Mary of anything like blind faith. All right, so just look what happens in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. An angel appears, gives Mary a message from God. Now, does she say, oh, how wonderful an angel is speaking to me. You know, I've, I've waited my whole life for this. You know, I, 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 I really hope that my be real notification goes off right now. Of course not. Mary didn't have be real. Does anyone, is it worth getting? Ben, is, is be real worth getting? Yeah, thumbs up. Ben's got it. You can add Ben if you got be real. Sorry for outing you if that, anyway. No, how does she really respond? How does Mary respond to the angel? We see in verse 29, she was deeply troubled deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Now that word there, wondering, it means more than just sort of being curious about something. Like, it's, it's, it's different than me wondering what my cat Sabine is, is, is doing right now while, while I'm up, while I'm here. Now the, the word is more like, um, do, 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 we have, do we have any accountants, in there, any money people in the room in the room today? Because that's really the world that this word comes from. It, it, it means to make an audit, to be, to be adding things up, to be weighing and pondering. In other words, it, it's a word that describes someone who's being incredibly logical. Incredibly logical. I mean, of course she's troubled by what the angel's saying. Mary's responding, can I say, Mary's responding the same way you and I would respond if an angel just sort of showed up in the sky above us while we're, you know, down at the shops or, or, or wherever Mary was. You know, she's asking herself, is this really happening? What's really going on here? She does not immediately accept Gabriel's message. But she asks in verse 34, how can this be? How, how is this possible? Because here, here's, here's the thing I want you to get. I think it's really easy for us to miss this. Yes, it's true any ancient person would have been more open to the supernatural world than, than we are today, than us now. And that's because for us living in a place like Australia or kind of any Western country, we've been trained by our culture from a really early age not to believe in the supernatural, to only believe in what we can sort of physically um, see and touch. And might I add, sort of in the scope of, of human history, that's, that's quite, a, quite a new, a fairly recent position that's, that's unique to Westerners, this, this idea of only trusting things we can see and touch. But our assumption, therefore, is when we hear a story like Mary's, you know, a woman living in, in, in ancient history, in a highly religious part of the world, we just assume that she wouldn't struggle with this message from the angel Gabriel. But that's not the case. 
It's not the case, because Mary, as a Jewish woman, Mary had been trained by her culture since she was a wee little girl not to believe that God could ever become a human, that God could ever um, enter into our own human history. The idea itself would have, would have been, quite frankly, blasphemous. It, w- it would have been blasphemous for Mary to, to believe that. And so although absolutely they're, 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 they're very different barriers, I get that, but nevertheless, the barriers that Mary faced against sort of belief in the Christmas message, the barriers to faith are every bit as strong as the barriers that some of us might be facing today as we sort of maybe consider the Christmas message for the first time. Different barriers, absolutely, but still as strong for Mary to overcome as for us. And yet, as this story develops, that's exactly what happens. We see Mary overcoming those barriers to faith. How does it happen? I'd put it to you, it's the same way that God overcomes our own barriers today, through a series, a combination of evidence and experience. Of evidence and experience. That is, Mary, she ponders, she reasons, she asks her questions. In other words, she switches on her brain. And so should we. So should we, if we're going to have faith and believe the Christmas message. Okay? That's the first thing I want us to see about Mary's own faith journey. She shows us that responding in faith is a whole person experience. It involves a heart. It includes the mind. Even though she finds the message hard to receive, she doesn't shut down the conversation. It's not an immediate no for her. She's open to the possibility that even if she doesn't quite get it, maybe, maybe she doesn't have all the answers just yet. Which then leads us, leads her, to the second stage of Mary's coming to faith. Act two, she responds with simple acceptance. With simple acceptance. So, okay, as Mary, she's pondering all of this, the angel says to her, verse 30, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Now listen, you'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. And as we've already seen, when Gabriel says this, Mary replies in verse 34, how can this be? Now that's a polite way of saying, dude, what? Are you, are you out of your mind? Like, don't know what you've heard sort of maybe around town, but I'm still definitely a virgin over here, okay? I just, just putting that out there. That's, I've not, you know, that's okay. So Gabriel, he reveals more of God's plan to her. He says, no, no, it's, that's, yeah, that, that's okay. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then I love this next part in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. It turns out, that's precisely the truth that Mary's heart needed to hear. Because this is, this is where her story begins to sort of um, uh, start drifting, start leading, leaning towards God. Look at her simple response in verse 38. She says, see, I'm the Lord's servant said Mary, may it happen to me as you've said. It's beautiful, isn't it? Again, I want you to catch something here. Notice what Mary isn't saying. She isn't saying, wow, it's so clear, I get it. Nor is she even saying, wow, God, yes, I love this plan. I am so excited to be a part of it. No, what she's really saying to God is, it actually doesn't all make sense to me, really. But I will pursue this. I will follow your plan. I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you've said. 
After about a year or two living in Australia, I got a job at an, uh, an Italian restaurant. Um, was working, um, made a bunch of friends working there. One of them was a, a Canadian girl. And one night after sort of clocking off uh, for the night, we got some ice cream and sort of sat down and just debriefed the night. Uh, but then, you know, got to talk, she knew that I was, um, that I'd come here to study at Bible college. So got to talking about, you know, Christianity, faith things. Now, and she says to me that her own position, she considers herself to be uh, spiritual, but not religious, right? Spiritual, but not religious. Very, very common position for a, lo a lot of Aussies to hold, spiritual, but not religious. Now, she said, it's interesting though, she said that if she were ever to believe in Jesus, she would need to have that aha moment, that moment where just everything sort of clicked for her, where she could put all the pieces together and just feel that it was true. Now, I, I, I absolutely get that. I think there's a chance that for some of us here that was your experience, but I think maybe what's more common on average is that for most of us here, our journey toward faith wasn't or isn't a simple sort of off-on switch between unbelief in God and then, you know, faith in God. It's sort of a one-off inciting event or aha moment. Sometimes I think you can only do what Mary does here. See, she hasn't, hasn't really had her aha moment just yet. Her feelings haven't quite been captivated yet. Nevertheless, what does she do? She just simply humbles herself before God. She trusts him despite the hesitancies that she feels. I wouldn't be surprised if for, for some of us here today that that's kind of the space you need to get to. And you might even find that it's, it's the initial step gives you a foothold to keep moving forward. It's this sort of attitude that says, I think there's something here, yet I, 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 don't quite, I don't quite yet understand it, but I do want to embrace it. I'm scared of what it might mean, but still here I am, Lord. I, I, I want this, I just don't know how to receive it. Because that's how Mary went forward as well, right? She responds thoughtfully, she asks her questions, and then she begins to give herself over in a simple acceptance, trusting God despite her anxieties, until, at last, it does all come together for her. And it's the final scene that we see in her rather ordinary journey toward faith. Mary begins to express faith from the heart, right? Act three, she responds with faith from the heart. As you know, my sister and her husband were just out for a visit. A bunch of you uh, met them. They were here uh, Sunday night, a couple weeks ago. We road trip New Zealand, which gave us plenty of time to reminisce on childhood memories. And one of our favorites involved a Christmas tradition we had. So we always did a little Christmas program as a family, did a little gift exchange on Christmas Eve. And after opening our gifts, we were allowed to stay up as late as we wanted to, uh, playing with our gifts. Only night of the year where we didn't have uh, like, like, like a bedtime. And you know, as a seven or whatever year old, you think I'm gonna stay up until midnight the next day. We usually crashed around 7 p.m. But when it was time to finally, you know, we would take our, uh, the tradition was we'd take our sleeping bags, sometimes even pull our mattresses um, out of our bedrooms and um, bung them under the now empty Christmas tree. And the four of us, us kids, we would sleep under the tree, sort of all snuggled up together um, next to each other. Bit of a tradition we had when we were quite little. Whether it's with your nuclear family, or your found family, or God's family, there's something really special about being invited into the love of family. And something of that's happening for our sweet Mary here on her journey to faith. The moment, it's really the moment everything comes together for her 
It's the moment that she visits her cousin Elizabeth. Her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And as she goes to Elizabeth's home, she's surrounded by the love of family. And Mary, in that moment, receives all the resources and reassurance and assurance that she needs to commit herself to God, to trust him fully from the heart. All right, so let's, let's read it again. But this time, just watch how Mary's faith becomes, becomes something that she not, she not just ponders, but she now feels. All right, she feels, so if you've got a Bible in front of you, it'll be up on the screen as well, starting in verse 41. When Elizabeth, that's the cousin, heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's John, leapt inside her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Then speaking to Mary, she says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he's spoken to her. And now watch Mary. She bursts into song. My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, verse 46. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices. In bringing those two things together, her, her soul, her spirit, Mary's taking like a, um, a big Sharpie marker and underlining the point that she's making with an exclamation mark. What she's saying is that God's message has moved her to the very depths of her being. Her whole person, her whole heart, her whole being has been enveloped with praise. She's no longer pondering. She's no longer asking her questions. She's been wholly caught up in God's story. It's because Elizabeth's loving encouragement, it confirms what the angels already said. And that was the resource that Mary needed in order for her faith to deepen have the assurance that she needed. Now, here's my pitch to you. If this is what happens when Mary is surrounded by the love of one member of her earthly family, then how much greater resource does God give us here at Village Church through the loving encouragement of our spiritual family? It's what we celebrated right here last week, wasn't it? We promised one another that we'd keep each other following Jesus that as members of one family, we all play a role in helping sort of spur one another on towards growth and faith in Christ. It is our responsibility to care for the body. So for example, when, when, when new people come in, we surround them with love. When our brother has a question, we encourage him to ask, and we, 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 we gently lead him towards God's truth. When our sister is struggling to have faith, we remind her of the promises of God which are being fulfilled in her. Do you see? Our journey is not a solo adventure, but a community effort. It's a big idea of Christianity, that we do this together. And most importantly, it's a journey in which we as a church are fully dependent on the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to bring this about in us. Yeah? Okay. Well, where do we go from here then? What brings us to the final act in our story of an ex extraordinary faith? Act four, following in her footsteps following in Mary's footsteps. As we get to the pointy end of the talk here, I reckon there's probably at least two questions that this passage pushes us toward. And the first question is this. Do I need to humble myself this Christmas? Do I need to humble myself? Let's return to Mary's now famous statement, verse 38. See, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you've said. Such a simple statement, isn't it? 
but it can have a profound impact on us. I mean, just think for a moment, all that was being asked of Mary. Remember, we need to remember the culture that she's in. We need to put ourselves in her shoes. She's about to have a child. And even if Joseph stays with her, people in town, I mean, they're going to do the math. I, I'm not very good at math, but even I can do this one. Baby born on this date, married on this date. Hey, wait a second. Right? She knew that the whole community would either assume that she slept with Joseph before marriage or was unfaithful to him while they were together. She knew that Jesus would always be seen as an illegitimate child. She knew that to accept God's call might mean a life of disgrace or worse. And still she says, whatever comes, I accept it. She responds in a willing surrender. She sacrifices it all. Her choices, her freedoms, her future, her reputation even. I am the Lord's servant. Now, how can she do this? How is it possible? It's because Mary's been captivated by a greater story. Notice how this plays out. As Mary praises God, starting in verse 46 in her song, she's looking back down the corridors of time, remembering the ancient promises to Abraham, all the times that God delivered his people in the past, all of his mighty deeds. And in the midst of it all, she realizes that God, verse 48, has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. The mighty one has done great things for me. For me. Uh, there's this note of amazement that all of this is coming to pass through her. For me, says Mary. You, you, you can imagine what she's thinking. I, I don't believe it. God, he, spent, he has spent centuries preparing for this day. And now he's going to save the world through me, a simple, poor teenage girl. And yet for us today, it's like the Christmas carol we sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem, where we hear these words, O little, oh, sorry, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. It's a bold image. It's a beautiful image. And it's a deeply biblical image. Every Christian is like Mary. Every person who's put their faith in Christ Jesus receives by the Holy Spirit Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Friends, I reckon each and every day should be an opportunity for us to humble ourselves and stand in as much awe as Mary did on that first day. That because of Jesus, God smiles upon us in all of our smallness, despite all of our flaws, we who are so very ordinary and gives us such an extraordinary gift, the faith to believe, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so if someone asks you, maybe around the Christmas season, opportunity to chat to others about your faith, if someone asks you, are you a Christian, you should never be able to say, of course I am. There should never be any of coarseness about it. It would be much more appropriate to say, yeah, I am, and that's a miracle. Me, a Christian, who would have, who would have ever thought it? And yet God did, and I'm his, and I'm his. And then lastly, Mary's story pushes us to ask, do we ourselves, do we have an even greater reason to trust God than Mary did? An even greater reason. 
that, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you are like me, maybe you're not, but often when I read these stories, I think, well, it's, 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 that's well and, tr and, and, and truly good for Mary, but she's one of the great heroes of the faith, right? She's sort of one of the esteemed characters of the Bible. Of course she had the spiritual resources or, or, or whatever to trust God, but I don't. I don't. And yet, if we're listening to this today, we can't, we're not allowed to say that. Why? Because as the story, the Christmas story develops, we actually find that we have a better reason to trust God than Mary did. So, here's what I mean. Look at Mary, this girl, no more than probably 15 years old, near the bottom of the social ladder, she knew that if she surrendered to God, she'd go even lower. She'd have to bear the agony eventually of watching her son be tortured and die young. Just think of all the darkness that she embraced, perhaps unknowingly, when she said, I am the Lord's servant. And yet she makes this surrender before even knowing what Jesus was about to do for her. So think about that for a second. There's an old English translation. I reckon it's the King James Version. Mary says in verse 38, Be it unto me according to thy word. Those are incredibly close to the words that her son would someday say to his heavenly father, not as I will, but as you will. As he faces the shadow of the cross. See, for us on the other side of the cross, we know that every sacrifice Mary made for him, Jesus made infinitely more for her. Mary accepted that she was going to go down in the world, but think of how far the Son of God came down from heaven to earth. In that unforgiving shame on her culture, she knew that she was accepting God's will even at the risk of life as she knew it, and yet Jesus accepted God's will knowing with the full knowledge it would cost him everything. And so when we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he dies for sin that was not his own, he says that he doesn't want the cup. He doesn't want the suffering. But he says, as it were, be it unto me according to thy word. When he says those words, Jesus knew that his obedience to the Father, it would mean a plunge into infinite, unfathomable darkness. A darkness unlike any that anyone's ever known. But now look at the infinite, endless redemption that came out of his obedience. Salvation by God's grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus. Now can you see the better resource we have? Unlike Mary, when we hear this story, we can see Jesus being the great servant. When we gaze upon the humble state of Mary, we can see Jesus humbling himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. As we watch Mary slowly surrendering her will to God, we can watch Jesus gladly surrendering his will. All for us. I reckon, I really do believe that this gives us the strength to say, Lord, if you did this for me, then I can trust you. I can do it for you. Right? If you did this, if you, if you did all of this for me, then I can do this for you. And I can trust you in it because of your gospel message. And here's how we do that practically. And with, with this, we'll wrap up. When the angel appears to Mary, he sort of starts her on her faith journey. Um, she struggles to trust God in it. It's totally fair. So what does the angel do? He reassures her with some promises of God, ending with nothing 
will be impossible with God. And so as we creep up to the end of yet another year that seems to be coming by more quickly, the older we get. We're creeping up to the end of the year. What are some promises from God that you need to remind yourselves of? You know, as we head into a new year, in order to sort of reignite your trust in him. For example, do you feel ashamed, maybe, by some of the choices you made this year? Then consider this promise. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can trust Jesus that he's forgiven your sin. Do you feel anxious, maybe, that you didn't grow enough in your faith this year? Whatever that looks like for you. Well, consider this promise to you, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You can trust Jesus that he's working in you. Do you feel let down by God, maybe? Like he's abandoned you, distant, hiding. And consider this promise. Remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of time. You can trust Jesus that he has not forgotten you. Or finally, do you feel just tired and worn down by life? And here's a promise for you. Come to me, all, your, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can trust Jesus that he is holding you in his hands right now. Village DC, there is literally nothing more that Jesus could do for you that he hasn't already done in the gospel. That's the assurance we can have in order to surrender our lives to him, to trust him with this Christmas message. So, don't, under, don't underestimate what he can do in and through you. If you place yourself in his hands, if Mary, this quite ordinary, simple human being like the rest of us, can do all of this without yet knowing about the cross and resurrection, then I promise that we can do it too, especially if we're doing it together. Why don't I pray for those things now? Our great and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have shown us and modeled to us and given us every assurance to help us trust you. You've sent your Son into this world to live a perfect life, to die the death that we deserved, to rise again victorious over sin and death so we might have new life in him. I pray, Lord, that we might be like Mary this Christmas and be drawn toward you by faith in your son Jesus. Help us, Lord, those times that we do doubt. Help us to carry one another when we are weak in the faith. Help us to invite others into the great love that overflows to this whole world, a love that we are constantly reminded of at Christmas. May we too see the incredible and extraordinary gift that we have in your son Jesus. And may we receive your gift of faith with humility.